please be seated. In 1912, President Teddy Roosevelt was running for a third term as a third-party candidate. Amid the turbulent presidential race, Roosevelt put his immense personality to use, and wherever he stopped on his cross-country campaign, he attracted huge crowds. But this candidate was not beloved by everyone. Somewhere in the crowd of supporters, a stalker, saloon owner John Shrank set his sights on killing the president. While visiting Milwaukee, President Roosevelt was shot in the chest and wounded by his would-be assassin. President Roosevelt was rushed to the hospital only after completing his scheduled speech, and the attending physician handed Roosevelt the steel eyeglass case that the president had been carrying in his breast pocket of his coat. The physician told him that the steel eyeglass case and his written speech had deflected the bullet and it had saved the president's life. It is said that Roosevelt pondered what had transpired and commented later, You know, I've been griping and complaining for years about having to carry that case with me everywhere I go. But in the process of God's providence, that eyeglass case, which I so often often griped about, saved my life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we know your presence is here today. We feel your presence as the worship continued this morning. And we pray now, Lord, that you would come. Open our hearts, our minds, our spirits to receive the truth of your word and to plant that in us, Lord. Plant it deep. For it's in Jesus' name we pray you. Amen. In the beginning, God created everything and it was good. In fact, God called it very good. And then Adam and Eve, the first humans, violated their creator's one and only rule. Of all the millions of fruit trees on the earth, do not eat the fruit of this one specific tree. When they chose to eat of that tree anyway, everything changed. Adam and Eve's choice to disobey God was an act of rebellion. For they chose to follow their own desires instead of trusting in God's leadership. Their act of rebellion changed how the world functioned. Before, everything had worked according to God's grace. And because of Adam and Eve's sin, the world became a place characterized by suffering, disease, selfishness, violence, and death. Certainly not the way God intended his creation to be. People live by their own rules instead of seeking God, their creator. They exchange truth for superstition. Now, God could have chosen to abandon humanity to its own self-destructive ignorance, but he chose instead to establish a plan to redeem the world. 
And that plan began with one man. This man would be the model recipient of saving grace. And God would start a new and unique nation through him. As God's plan unfolded, this nation, over time, would become the means by which all of humanity might hear of the one true creator God. And hopefully return to him. God's redemptive plan began with a man named Abram, who we know today as Abraham. Today, Abraham is revered by the majority of the world as the father of faith. His story is preserved in Genesis and throughout all of Scripture, and it tells us much of what we need to know about a life of faith in God. While each of our faith journeys is unique, Abraham blazed a trail for the rest of us. And if we would allow it, his faith journey can inform us about our own. So let me challenge you to join me and walk alongside Abraham, seeking to better understand the faith that God Almighty calls each and every one of us to. If you would, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to our New Testament lesson from from Hebrews chapter 11. And let's look at how the Word of God commends Abram, Abraham, to us as a faithful example of a follower. In verse 1 of Hebrews chapter 11, we read, Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. As we heard, Hebrews goes on to say it was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. And it was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. And in Hebrews 11, 8, and 9, we read it was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going, and even when he reached the land God promised, he lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner living in tents. When Abram first encountered the Lord, he knew God was real because the awesome splendor of God's presence left him no room for doubt. No room for doubt. The Lord had made three specific promises to him. Land, descendants, blessing for you and the whole world through your descendants. And these promises made Abram's obedience worthwhile. Abram had good reason to trust in God. Continuing in verse 17 and 18, we read, It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as the sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Please note verse 17. God was testing Abraham, the father of faith. God was testing Abraham. 
And on that, I'd like us to focus. So let me ask you, have you ever felt like God was testing you? Maybe you're going through something today that feels like it's a test from God. And if the truth were told, there are times in our Christian walk when it may seem that God is just not keeping his promises. There are times when it looks like God's word says one thing, but we're experiencing something totally different. Sometimes it may even seem like God has bailed out on you. Kind of like being on a small plane that's having engine trouble. The pilot comes into the passenger compartment with a parachute on and turning towards the door said, don't worry, I'm just going for help. (laughs) Beloved, God is in control. But there are times when our confidence in the Lord can get shaken. And especially when we're waiting on him to keep his promises and all the while things continue to get worse and worse and worse. It's during those times that we're forced to decide what we truly believe. But we need to recognize that behind the scenes, the Lord is growing and strengthening our faith. You know, faith has been compared to a great tree which experiences its greatest growth not during the best of seasons, but in the driest of seasons. For that is when the tree must set its roots deepest, deeper, and even deeper to find sustenance. God knows that on Sunday morning we come together as the family of all souls for worship and and fellowship. He heard you singing your praises this morning. Trust me, he heard that. He heard you say amen and praise the Lord. God saw you raise your hands. He knows you're here most every Sunday. But God still has plans to test each and every one of us. He tested the father of faith. Why would he not test you and I? Think of it this way. Back when you were in school, maybe again tomorrow, or maybe years ago, but back when you were in school, after your teachers had spent weeks and months teaching you a certain subject, did your teacher take your word that you under every, understood everything and you were ready to move on to the next subject? Did they? No, they gave us a test, didn't they? And if you failed that test, the teacher started teaching again. Preparing us for the next test. God believes in testing and retesting. Until we can pass the test. In fact, I'm certain that there are some of us here today. That are still taking the same test we've been taking year after year after year. But why am I still taking the same test? I mean, I went through this six months ago because I haven't learned the lesson that the Lord wants me to learn. So he's got to keep testing me. He's got to keep teaching me. The Lord wants to grow our faith so that we can rely solely on his providence as he prepares us for the next test in life. 
Beloved, I can guarantee another test is down the road. Just because you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior doesn't mean that life gets easy. Abraham had many tests, several of which we will see that he failed in miserably. But the Lord never gave up on him. God continued to teach and test Abraham until he finally got it right. The best part of it, the Lord doesn't expect any of us to exercise perfect faith. He knows us. Instead, he meets us where we are and helps us cultivate a growing faith in him, a growing trust in him, a growing dependence in him. I, for one, can stand before you and say that God has not finished with me yet. He's got a lot of work to do in this man. But he continues to stretch and grow my faith. And I believe he wants to do the same. And each of us gathered here today. So let's look at the first test Abram went through. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, God calls Abram to leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. And in verse 4, we learn that Abram departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. So, Did Abram pass or fail test number one? Pass, failed. He failed. Go and leave your father's family behind. And who went with him? And was that a pain in his side years later? I guess the Lord knew what he was talking about when he gave the first instruction, right? In Genesis 12, we find that a severe famine strikes the land of Canaan, the land that God had appointed to Abram and his descendants. And Abram takes his entourage and flees to Egypt because guess what? The famine's not there. There's food there. Did Abram pass or fail the second test? Number two, he failed again. He wasn't trusting in the Lord. God didn't cause the famine, but we will see that he certainly used it as an instrument to grow and develop Abram's faith. In Genesis 12:11 through 13, we find Abram using his wife to protect his own life. As he was approaching the border of Egypt, Abram said to his wife, Sarai, look, you are a very beautiful woman. He's starting out right, isn't he? You're a very beautiful woman, dear. When the Egyptians say, see you, they will say, this is his wife. Let's kill him, and then we can have her. So please, please tell them you're my sister. Then they will spare my life and treat me well because of their interest in you. Sarah trusted Abram as her husband to lead her well and to keep her safe, only to find herself as the newest addition In Pharaoh's harem. Some picture of a model husband. Okay. So ladies, test number three. Did Abram pass or fail the test? He failed miserably, right? Dude's not doing too well on the scoreboard. 
Jumping forward to Genesis 16:2, we find Abram living in the land of Canaan for over 10 years. And Sarai, still not able to bear children, comes to her husband and she says to Abram, The Lord has prevented me from having children, so why don't you go and sleep with my servant? Perhaps I can have children through her. And good old Abram agreed with Sarai's proposal. Now, neither Sarai nor Abram sought the Lord's input. Hey, we got a plan, Lord. What do you think of it? We're going to go this way with it. Abram went and had relations with her servant, Hagar, and she became pregnant. Test number four, pass or fail. Abram's 0 for 4 so far. Test number five in Genesis chapter 20, we find Abram, now Abraham, in a deja vu moment, just as he had done 25 years earlier, Abram told others that his wife, Sarai, was his sister. King Abimelech heard about this beautiful woman, the eligible sister of a nomad, the eligible sister of a nomad, and the king sent his men to bring her to his palace. Again, Abraham passed or fell in this test. In each of these circumstances, God revealed to Abraham the true depth of his faith. And Abraham's responses demonstrated just how little he trusted God to provide for his needs, especially, especially when the circumstances were stacked against him. Abraham returned to his habitual sin of trying to make things happen and solve problems on his own. He depended solely on his own ingenuity rather than confidently trusting in God's care and God's providence. I hate to say it, but too often, Abraham's story is our story. Like Abraham, we too can expect more than one divine test in our own faith journey. But we can be certain that God doesn't use difficult circumstances to find out how we're going to respond. He doesn't need to test us to observe our faith response. God knows us better than we know ourselves. And he knows what the future holds for each of us. When we are being tested, God is operating behind the scenes, supernaturally working to protect and provide for us and to grow our faith when we see the work that he's doing in and through us. God uses tests to reveal us to ourselves. More often than not, after we've been tested, and I think you can trust in this, more often than not, after a test, you will experience a season of growth and deepening spiritual walk with the Lord. So why be afraid of the test? Why run away from it? One of the things you'll find, too, that as these tests come, they sometimes seem to go against the very things we believed about God. He makes these promises. But this test is not going with that promise. It's going against that promise. Beloved, we cannot even begin to understand the Holy One. We can't fathom what He's up to. 
God alone knows the end of our story. And our understanding of today's events is limited to our past and present perspective. We can't see tomorrow. God does. He knows the beginning and the end. We can always trust in God. Since leaving Ur of the Chaldees, the Lord brought Abram a long way. Not just in the many miles he had traveled, but also in how his faith, how his faith had grown. Abraham had endured many trials, some of which we see he uh, didn't do too well in. He had sinned by running to Egypt and by lying to Pharaoh. And he had repeated the same sin with Abimelech. Abraham and Sarah had taken it upon themselves to solve God's dilemma, if God has a dilemma. But they wanted to solve God's dilemma in giving them a son. But in spite of himself, Abraham was a devoted man of God. But he was still yet on his journey of faith. Let's take a look at how Abraham had come to understand God's providence. Some 15 years after receiving his son Isaac as God had promised, the time had come for Abraham's faith to be put to the supreme test. He's been through a lot, but he ain't seen nothing yet. Look with me at Genesis chapter 22, beginning at verse 2, where we find Abraham having his faith put to the test with an unusual and unexpected command. Testing what Abraham truly believes. Testing what he thinks he understands about God. God said to Abraham, Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. You know, as a father and a grandfather, I can easily imagine the anguish Abraham must have felt. Give up my only son, Lord? Why? And how am I going to have descendants if you're taking my only son? How are my descendants going to bless the earth if you're going to end it right here? But not so with Abraham. Abraham Abraham responds by rising early. No hesitation, no resistance, no arguing, no pleading, no delay, just obedience. In Hebrews eleven nineteen, we see how Abraham's state of mind was. Abraham reasoned. That if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. For you see, Abraham remembered what God had done in fulfilling his promise to give he and Sarah a son. Abraham, 100 years old. Sarah, 90 years old. Barren for 90 years. And a 90-year-old and a 100-year-old has a son. God is at work. Abraham's faith had grown through this faith journey to the point that he had such confidence in God that even though this test made no sense, he knew God had everything under control. Gets up early, 
gets everything he needs, and off he goes. God took the darkest events in Abraham's life and he used them as stepping stones to get Abraham to where he wanted him to go. And like Abraham, we too must remember what God has done for us in the past. When we have those spiritual milestones of what the Lord has done through the years, it gives us the right perspective on things that we're dealing with today. After walking with God and having been through life's trials and tribulations, we can look back at what God has done and know that he is there for us in every test we face. Our testing may involve something or someone we love deeply because our tests are always aimed at getting us to make a choice between loving God and loving those things that we treasure most. We can't do both. God tests us so we can experience his victory in our lives. Abraham experienced such a divine victory as Jehovah Jireh provided the ram to be sacrificed in place of his only son, Isaac. God is the provider. Abraham's faith in God was so well placed There was nothing, absolutely nothing for him to worry about when God put him to the test. As believers, we all have a part to play in how long our time of preparation lasts. God doesn't need anything. He doesn't need anyone outside himself to accomplish what he intends. All we need to do is be patient and obedient. Let me assure you, God is a promise keeper. God is a promise keeper. Can you say that with me? God is a promise keeper. God is a promise keeper. Amen. Amen. So there's a lot here. There's a lot packed into what Abraham went through. A lot for us to take away And Chuck Swindoll gives us some points that I want to share with you real quick. Number one, wherever God leads, follow. Wherever God leads, follow. Be sure your decisions are based on God's leading. When you make a misstep, know that God will honor your faith by guiding you back to the path he wants you to follow. There's no safer place than where God sends you. Wherever God leads, follow. Number two, whatever God promises, believe. When God speaks to you through his word, remember his promises. Rest in them, apply them, and expect their fulfillment. Expect their fulfillment. Believe it. Believe God's promises, accept them, and act upon them. Whatever God promises, believe. Thirdly, whenever God tests, trust. It's been said, God never gives us more than we can handle. Wrong. At least in my experience, and I know I'm a piece of work and he's still working on me, right? 
the Lord piles it on so we can turn to him and beg for his assistance. He truly does. And that strengthens our walk with him. That helps us trust in him and believe in him and follow him. Whenever God tests trust, we can trust that God is testing us so we come to recognize our need to have him in control. And lastly, however God blesses, share. You know, it's far too easy for us to receive God's blessings and yet fail to balance receiving with giving. Resolve to become a generous person. Be generous with your faith. This world needs nothing more than to know about Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and understand how he walks in and through your life. Be generous with your faith. Be generous with your treasures. Be generous with your riches. Deep, satisfying joy awaits those who give abundantly. Deep, satisfying joy. Anybody want deep, satisfying joy? I'll take all I can get. Ask yourself, when was the last time I gave something away? Something that was really nice. Something that really meant a lot to me. When was the last time I gave something away? However God blesses, share. God has blessed you, share it. Become a generous person. 1,775 years after Abraham, God sent his son Jesus Christ into the world as the fulfillment of his promise. His promise to save the world, to bless the world. Today, we reap the benefits of God's peace and grace granted us by our acceptance of Jesus' redeeming work. If you believe you are going through a season of testing right now, I want to encourage you. God's got this. God's got it. When things seem to be out of control and nothing makes sense, God can and will right the situation if, you turn to Him and let Him take control. Trust in Jesus. He is the author and perfecter of our faith. Let's pray. I know it's easy to lose heart when you're waiting for God to come through. Especially when your situation looks more impossible by the minute. If you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can speak to Him right here, right now. Acknowledge that you are lost without Him. Ask Him to forgive you of your sins. Ask Him to come and take complete control of your life. Tell Him that you trust Him because of His death on the cross and His resurrection from the dead. 
And if you are a follower of our Lord Jesus Christ and your faith is being tested, if you haven't already, seek the Lord's hand and ask him to grow your faith and understanding of what he is doing in the midst of this trial. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are with us in every test. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you go before us through every test. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you empower to come through every test. Lord, open our eyes and our ears, our hearts, our minds, and our spirits to see you at work. Like Abraham, Lord, grow our faith. Use us mightily to advance your kingdom, Lord. For it's in Jesus' name we pray you. Amen. Our study today of the life of Abraham shows us that even when Abraham could not understand what God was doing, God was at work in his life. Later, as Abraham grew in his relationship with God, his perspective on life changed. He recognized how God used past events for the purpose that God intended and that God made those events part of the process of growing Abraham's faith. The I have my last slide there. I want to talk about some stones. The Lord is doing the same with the events in each of our lives. And Sharon and I have Ebenezer stones for everyone. I want to encourage you to pick one up from the table in the back. And set it in some prominent place to remind yourself that thus far the Lord. Now, maybe thus far the Lord has helped us, or thus far the Lord has carried us, or thus far the Lord has healed us. So, thus far the Lord. And it comes from 1 Samuel seven twelve. So we've got stones of all different sizes. So think about where you're going to place it at home, at work, wherever, at school. And take one with you and remember And set those milestones where God has done things in your life in the past. When the trials and tests come, you can look back and remember, God got me through that one. This one's going to be a piece of cake. So now as we move into our time of prayer, I want to encourage you, when we come to the bidding for Thanksgiving's, either silently or aloud, thank the Lord specifically for the things that He has done in your life. Thus far, the Lord. We have much to be thankful for. So would you please kneel for prayer if you're able.